Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Nelly Bublitz, and welcome back to the first Sunday after Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord for the week of January 13th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited to dig into these texts this week because, again, I feel there's some really unique things that we can really dig into this week. But before we get into that, I have to do a couple shameless plugs. First and foremost, I have to do a shameless plug for Working Preacher. Between their commentaries, their Sermon Braidwaves podcast, their discussions over there, I'd highly recommend it. Between Caroline Lewis, Ralph Jacobson, and Matt Skinner being seminary professors at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, I'd highly recommend, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use these people, and they're great resources to check out. And if you haven't checked them out, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, if you haven't checked out God Friended Me on CBS, I would again question, what have you been doing? It's a great drama that goes through talking about what it's like to live your life as a Christian and what are the challenges and different difficulties that that might bring, along with dealing within what does it look like if you have somebody who isn't of the faith and what does that look like. I'd highly recommend it. There's some great depth to the show and I'm really been intrigued so far with what that show has brought to the table. So as we get into this week, I want to do one more little shout out this week. Is this being the baptism of our Lord? It was a really big reminiscence for me, reminiscing back to when I first started the podcast, because the first week that I did the podcast was looking at the baptism of our Lord according to the gospel of Mark. For me, it's been really kind of fun looking at these texts again that we're getting, especially the psalm this week, I know is the psalm that I looked at the first week that I did this. So I'm going to talk about some of that things, and we're definitely going to look at this text much differently than what we did last year, especially that we have a different gospel text. But it's been also kind of ties into the question of the week from last week on Twitter, which was, what changes are you willing to make for Christ? And in that case, for me last year, it was me coming to the conclusion of I wanted to see science be part of the church more. And as I was talking with preachers that they needed a resource, that people needed a resource, I had the time, so I started doing this. So it's one of those things that you never know what that change may be. I know for me, there's a couple different changes that I am working on with my physical health, with my emotional health. There's a couple things that I haven't been amazing about yet, but I know their goals to try to reach by the end of the year that I'm doing some different things within my own spiritual life also to make sure that is happening. So let's get into this week. The gospel text is out of Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. And there's some really unique contrasting things in this gospel. And it's going to be the kind of the heart and soul this week of the podcast in a lot of ways. But you have John who is baptizing people and he then makes the claim, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the throng of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, to gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable 
fire. Going from verse 16 through 17 there. And we get the contrast then of Jesus who has been baptizing people also and has been baptized and was praying. The Holy Spirit descends on him from heaven as a dove. And we get the voice of God saying, you are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. And to give you a foretaste of where I'm going from this, the imagery of what we're getting from John and what he is expecting to have happen and the imagery that we get from Jesus and how he is baptizing are much different. And it's a much different tempo, a much different pace. And I think it also reveals a major part of the character. I think there's also a key thing that I think that Ralph Jacobson brought up in the podcast this week that I want to dig a little bit more into is talking about this image of wheat that it's going through with a winnowing fork, which I would look at as like a pitchfork. And you're throwing where you're having the wheat come off the grain shaft as you're doing that so that the chaff goes into an area and the wheat for harvest goes into another area. But I think there is a point to also notice that that would both be on the same stock. And so that you're both having the good and the evil and he's separating the good and evil possibly within people. Not necessarily that we're dividing people, that some are the wheat and some are the chaff, but that much less within ourselves that he is dividing out and separating the positive parts of us, the godly parts of us, and separating and tossing away that that is no longer needed, the parts that are separating us from the father and i you could argue i think in maybe a bit of a harder argument that that's maybe the body is part of the chaff in this scenario some things to contemplate to consider the first reading then is from isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 through 7 and this is where we have the lord talking to jacob here and discussing about how he has been there for them, how he has helped deliver them from Egypt and all these different places, and that he's been taking care of them, that why should you fear? I am here. I have been with you as you are going through all these different scenarios, all the things that have been leading up to this point, the burning bush. He's been there. So why would we question him? And that he has been trying to protect us, that he's doing the best that he can to be able to provide what we need. The psalm this week is Psalm 29. And like I stated in the introduction, I've talked about this before. And I think there's a lot of really unique things here talking about the power of God, which ties in very well with the first and second readings. So you have the leaping of the calf. And like I've shown, and I can also attach videos down below of what it looks like for a calf to be leaping. And that is a thing. You have where the cedars of Lebanon, which are still trees that are around today, that are in Lebanon. It's on the flag of Lebanon. It's not the strongest of wood ever, but it's comparable if you're in North America to an ash tree. But it's talking about in this psalm, this 
power of God and how he's able to show his power in these different ways, that he's able to strip the forest bare, to be able to excite us like a young wild calf, that he's able to bring forth and show his power and majesty, but also able to show in a way that provides joy. And then I think that's a very important point as we're contemplating and thinking about the power of God. The second reading is real quick. It's from Acts chapter 8 verses 14 through 17. And this is where we have Peter and John are apostles who are in Samaria. And they pray that they might receive the Holy Spirit because at this point they've been baptized and they haven't received it and they receive the Holy Spirit. And that's essentially the whole reading. But again, it's this idea of God's power, but wanting to provide for us. And so how does this tie into modern day science? And I think we need to almost look at it and compare it in two ways. We need to compare John's point of view from the gospel text and then Jesus's point of view from the gospel text. So John's text, I think of it more like going to the doctor and getting medication. Because we've seen, especially here in the United States, we get bombarded with advertisements talking about all these miracle drug and these different pills that we can take and how amazing it's going to make us feel. And in that, we always also hear the list of side effects that will come from this. So like I was talking about the separating the grain and the chaff, that we have the benefit, the healing that can come from this pill, but there also are all these negative side effects that we will then deal with or we figure out a way or hopefully it doesn't affect you or things along those lines. And we've seen advertisements like that. And if you're not from the United States, I can find an ad of what we experience here in the United States with medical drugs to give you an example of what that looks like. But Jesus, I think, brings an interesting perspective to this. And where I kind of thought about this and was contemplating it, I started thinking about when you go and visit somebody who is in the hospital and are contemplating, like, what can I do to help this person? And one of the things that we commonly do is that we give them plants. Now, why plants? And I think there's a lot of reasons that we're maybe didn't understand and are finding that they are more beneficial than we originally intended. So one of the things that plants do really, really well is purify the air. So they're able to take volatile organic compounds or VOCs and be able to take that out of the air. And these are different chemicals or compounds that are in the air that make it hard to breathe and can cause a lot of other problems. And so if you're having something in a situation like that, that's being able to take that out of the air, it makes it a lot better for you in your recovery process. They also help you breathe easier because we have to remember the basic process is that plants are converting CO2 or carbon dioxide into oxygen, which we breathe. So it's nice having those in the room. They're also able to help release water or 
humidify the air just based on how plants work with stomas on the bottom of their leaves they release some moisture into the air so again they're a bit of a small natural humidifier into the air they're also have been noticed to help with having them around it helps with us touching them and feeling them that we get some endorphins so it's helping us feel better which then can sharpen focus and depending on different studies that you're looking at showing that there is some positive help and i would argue and this is purely based off of observation is just seeing life. When we're going through something difficult, it's nice to be able to see something that we know is growing, that we know has life. And it can be a very calming force within us to just feel like we can deal with this. And again, it's one of the things that they have is that it helps reduce our stress hormones. So you're seeing that life, seeing those types of things really help us just feel better, deal with our different issues that we're going through in that situation. And again, I'll attach some links down below, which have some links to scientific articles or see where they're pulling this information. So when I look at these texts, I see where John is expecting this more of a faster cure-all. And again, what we typically expect from what we as people thought Jesus would be like. And the thing that we constantly see throughout the Gospels especially is that Jesus didn't react the way that we expected him to react. He acted in a way where it was much more of a calming presence and much more of still guiding us to have the free will and guiding us along the way, but we still had to choose that way. Whereas when you look at what John is talking about, it's much more almost seems cut and dry, very black and white. And it's an interesting contrast to see what Jesus is looking like here. So to me, I can kind of see how Jesus is like the person who is bringing the houseplant to the cancer patient in the hospital. To have them see that life, to have them know that this is something that helps them, and just to have that something that isn't institutionalized, that's something that's again, has life, to just help reduce stress, that he, that comforting force that plants can bring into a home. And it's amazing to me that we're finding this type of example, at least to me in my eyes, in this scripture text. And when we see in these other readings the power of what God is able to do, but if you look in all these examples, it's that we have to call upon him, that we have to give him the time, the space to be able to do that. And we might not get the response immediately like we expect. It might take some time. So as I am contemplating and looking at and thinking about this, we see that Holy Spirit being gifted in the second reading when they asked for it. You have in the psalm talking about the joy, like leaping like a wild calf, that he's able to strip the forest bare, that God is powerful. But again, the underlying theme being as long as we ask for it. And we have in the Isaiah reading 
talking about how God has always been there. And why are you fearing now? Why would I give up on you? Why would I turn back now? As long as you ask, I'm here. John, again, is giving us this idea of this cut and dry society where what we get out of the end of Luke here is not the same type of cut and dry that John is proclaiming. That it's something that's different, that's peaceful, that's open to letting the Holy Spirit in, open to letting us have our free will to make the decision on what does that mean for us moving forward, for us to give the plant when that's all that we can do and just say that I will be praying for you and here's a memento to know that I am. It's the power of those things. And I think all of us can think of times where we have experienced something like that, that something means so much more than what anybody else will ever value it as. And there's often a story or some memento behind it that makes it so. And a lot of times that comes through time, through thought, through prayer. These are the things that we have to contemplate. And I think in Jesus' baptism here in the Gospel of Luke opens up that door, opens up the door to what was John really meaning when he was talking about gathering the wheat of the granary and throwing the chaff because they would have been part of the same part of the plant, that one part's desired and one part isn't. And that how Jesus comes in in a different way and shows that he still loves us even when we make mistakes. That maybe it isn't all fire and brimstone. And I know this is a bit of a different style and at times we get into this type of style. But I hope this has been a help to you. So the Twitter question of the week for you going forward for this week is what places can you give a plant and do a prayer instead of casting the judgment? What places can you give a plant and give a prayer instead of casting judgment? We have a God that doesn't cast judgment immediately on us, and I think it's something that we can constantly be working on ourselves. And that we're able to see these small gifts, these small things that we do, is just like the small and amazing gifts that God gives us on a daily basis, such as breath, such as life, such as a heartbeat such as the resources that you're using right now just to be able to hear my voice coming into whatever type of amplification system you're using. These are all gifts. And it may not feel like they're as big as receiving the Holy Spirit that we don't have to worry about because it's already been gifted to us. But in a lot of ways, they still are important gifts that we have been given and that we should appreciate that. So... We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.